Welcome to How to Be Happy with Dr. Wendy, and my guest today is Felicia. And Felicia, you do an amazing thing. I'd like you to introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Hi. Uh, well, thank you for inviting me here today. Uh, my name is Felicia, and I am an intuitive, energetic counselor. Um, I've been working with people for a couple years now to help them really just get to the root of what their issues are in their lives that they feel is most blocking them or that they might not even be aware of, but they know that they're stuck in a cycle of unhappiness and suffering. So so how long have you been doing this? Uh, this journey started for me about five years ago now. That's really when I hit a point where I realized that I needed to be on a path of discovery about wow. myself and where I was getting stuck. And, and you, you started very young because you are... Uh, borderline millennial, right? <laughs> is that is that what you said? Yeah, I think I'm on the tail end. I'm 31 right now. I was born in 88. Okay, so you started very young, which is uh, which is a, a wonderful thing to start young in the search for oneself. So, what would you like to talk about today? Oh, there's so many topics. Uh, well, I think following suit with the theme of your podcast, which is this idea of happiness. Um, when I started thinking about what I'd like to share today, what came to mind is my own personal story uh, about really the search for happiness and what that turned into for me and how I've translated that into tools that I can use in the world to support others as they're going through a transition from um, really having no idea what they're wanting to do in their life to finding something that gives them purpose uh, and that lights them up. Well, tell us some more. <laughs> okay, well, I guess where I want to start with is, you know, growing up both in my family setting and just in the culture that I was raised in, there's this idea that there's these structured steps that we need to go through in order to be happy. The structured steps such as? Go to school, get good grades play sports, do extracurricular activities, go to college, get good grades. Uh, then what? <laughs> get a good job with a good company where you have good benefits uh, because everyone likes to feel safe and benefits. Yes. Uh, buy a house, have the perfect partner, uh, have kids. And, you know, you could keep going and you could keep going, but... Where I was at really through the majority of that time was the school um, and then what everyone had told me is next after school. That's so how do you feel about that plan, that structure that many of us have been given in life? Uh, well, for a long time, that was everything for me. I, I followed it. There was nothing else uh, because I liked that structure. It actually made me what I considered happy. Uh, became, because it gave me a sense of security and it gave me something to always keep striving for. And so for a long time, my sense of purpose was very connected to striving for something that was laid out for me already. And I could kind of have a little bit of creative expression within that, but there was enough structure from other people that that was enough for me at the time. Then what happened? Well, that kept me very busy for a long time, and then I graduated college, and things started to shift just a little bit, and not in a positive direction. Uh, you know, right after I graduated, I realized very quickly that I did not want 
a lifelong career in the degree that I had gotten. And so I bounced around into several different industries, um, none of them feeling very satisfying. That must have been a really challenging and confusing time. It was like floating around in nothingness because I reached a point where there wasn't somebody right behind me saying, next is high school, next is college, next is this job, because all of a sudden I had this realization that I didn't want to be in the field that I was in, and there was nobody there telling me what was next. And so through school, that's not something I'd ever considered because I'd always been successful by the standards of the school system. I'd always had uh, very high grades. I was a very good student. Uh, School came fairly easily to me. And so to step out of that whole organization, uh, it was it was like being completely lost, was it, which was a very foreign experience. So how did you find your way back? I honestly don't think I would have recognized that I had the power to turn anything around unless I had get, gotten to a point where I'd been floating for enough time that things just started to culminate into this epic point of just self-doubt and uh, just helplessness. You know, I have a saying from the ashes of your despair, arise the phoenix of your truth and joy. So that almost a prerequisite for our next stage of growth is entering into a stage of depression or despair, confusion, emptiness, unhappiness, during which time at some point we ask ourselves, what is the answer? We ask something deep within ourselves, perhaps our spiritual self. What is the answer? And then it begins to reveal itself. Is that that what happened with you? That's very similar. Um, And I definitely came to that moment. Really what had happened is I was getting so restless that I just needed to do something and I didn't have the answer at that point. So I stepped away from my life. I went to travel for a little while and it took traveling where I was in this space of just spontaneity and freedom to realize how unhappy I actually was because there'd been a lot of avoidance of what I was feeling. And so coming back from that trip and stepping back into my life was like a tidal wave hitting me. Uh, And it was at that point that I realized something needed to shift and it needed to come from me. So that you had a moment in time in which you stepped out of denial into recognizing what that you were floating and not taking charge of your life, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was a very scary moment. (laughs) And so I really just took the first step step with uh, the only thing I knew how to do, which is something that was on my mind for a while, but I never attempted, which was meditation. And I started very slowly. And along with meditation, I had set an intention that something needed to change for the better. And I didn't know how, and I didn't know what it was, but I recognized with myself that it was time for a shift to be made. That's wonderful. In meditation and basically quieting and calming the mind, that which is intuitively already within us can begin to emerge into our awareness and we can then articulate it to ourselves Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I'm going to follow that feeling or that thought and see where it takes me. 
that. And, and, and looking back now, it's really incredible to me that it really took to that point just to acknowledge that something needed to change, and I couldn't do that before. What would you say to someone who is in that space that you were in, that they've followed all the prompts that their parents or culture gave them to do, but they reached a point in which it's not satisfying anymore? What would you, what would you tell a listener that might be in the place that you were, might be helpful? I think the very first thing to acknowledge, uh, which can be a very first, a very scary first step for people is to actually sit with themselves and be radically truthful with how they're actually feeling. Radically truthful, how they're really feeling. That's an amazing statement. Do you think, how do you think most people would take that? that piece of advice or that actually yes, going that, into that experience? That piece of advice. I mean, that's a <laughs> wonderful piece of advice. You know, confronting oneself in, a, in, a, in that word radical way is scary for most people. Absolutely. It's not something even that I think is typically in our awareness because we're, we're taught to suppress, or many of us are. I don't want to speak for everyone because yes. I know that's not always the case. But I've noticed, at least for me, that by nobody's fault, that's just the pattern that I went into naturally to be able to keep myself safe from feeling pain. And so when you have that conditioning, it works so well to keep you safe for so long that the impulse is not to go against that, which makes it really tricky to get out of a cycle of suffering. That's why I think that, you know, I have that phrase from the ashes of your despair, arise the phoenix of your truth and joy. Um, that's why I think that feeling bad is a gift because if, it, if we somehow can use that bad feeling to awaken ourselves enough to say, okay, I'm going to take responsibility somehow. I don't know what's going to come out of it but I'm going to look within myself because looking outside of myself hasn't given me the answers that I want. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to look within myself. That takes a very special moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's the gift of pain and suffering. Absolutely. If, if, if you can look at pain and suffering as a gift at all, that would be it, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's such a subtle tweak in our experience, but it's so huge at the same time. So tell us then what happened. You had you went into meditation. You began to then intuitively reveal to yourself certain insights or feelings that you had about a direction you wanted to go. Well, it started very small with the realizations I had, one of them being, okay, the social environment that I'm in, I would like to be in a circle where there are more people around me who are positive, who are wanting to do things like be outside, go hiking, be in fun activities where the emphasis is on uh, moving forward and more on positivity. Uh, and not saying, I want to differentiate here between, um, I don't even want to use the word negative, but not an avoidance of feeling uh, uncomfortable or painful emotions, but rather not 
looping and complaining about life because I think there is a differentiation between the two. So you, do you realize or did you realize at the time that the people, your social group, people you were around were complainers and loopers, so to speak? Uh, a part of me did. I think part a part of, of me was maybe couldn't identify that totally, but I did know that there was something lacking uh, that wasn't supporting my growth. And I also know that there was a lot of parts of me that needed to take responsibility for that as well. But the first place I knew how to look because I was so good at referencing outward was uh, where can I create an environment for myself that supports my inner growth. So you took action on that and did that? Well, actually, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had just uh, really acknowledged to myself that that's what I needed first. And within a couple weeks, I actually went out one night and met a group of people who invited me to their hiking club. <laughs> so it could not have been more perfect how it came about, and I couldn't have planned that. So that was really the first point when I realized how powerful intention was. Yes. I mean, it was huge for me. It was I actually hadn't laid out a plan and set out steps, gotten stressed out and overwhelmed about how I was going to get to that point. I'd really just made a decision. Um, and had a vague idea of what that change looked like. And this thing just pre presented itself to me, which came in the form of people inviting me to their hike club. And so in some way, you can see that you created that invitation mm -hmm. through the intention that you had in your mind and your heart. Yeah. Okay, so then what? Uh, well, then it just became this really this positive domino effect where I started meeting uh, these very uplifting people. I was led to uh, a mentor who became a huge part of my personal growth uh, and support to me. And it was really the, the biggest step, I think, for me to start turning inward and acknowledging where my pain parts were and really what to do with that and getting real um, and even deeper and deeper into how much I had been holding on to. Um, so a lot of times by facing, it's only by facing our pain parts, as you put it, those parts of ourselves that we've limited or our beliefs, and I talk about core beliefs a lot, those core beliefs that we carry about ourselves and facing the pain of that, mm -hmm. that from out of that can come the good part. Mm -hmm. I think so many people just want to skip that part. Yeah and just go right to the light, so to speak, or right to feeling happy and good and at peace. And what you're saying in your experience is that your, your mentor helped you face those parts of yourself that were painful. Mm -hmm. And you did that. Mm -hmm. And you still do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so to wrap this little section up right now, what... What would you like to say to our listener about your experience that might be helpful to them? Hmm. You know, I feel like the idea of going into the painful parts of ourselves can sound really scary. Uh, I know for me, the first thing that had came up around this is I've felt pain before and I don't why what would be the purpose of going back there and so I think what's most relevant to say right now is I was missing parts of the equation which is that 
there has to be this element of safety for a painful experience or a part of ourself to be met in the need that they had um, for them to unravel. So you, through your mentor and, and the people that were associated with that, uh, were safe people for you. Absolutely. And I think it was so, the first safe person that I had ever experienced in my life. So oh, that's wonderful. So what you're telling our listeners is that to make sure that if you do this journey, that you choose an environment and people that are teachers mm -hmm. that you feel in your gut, deep down, that are safe. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for sharing this. And we're going to have more conversations, too. I look forward to that. Thank you, thank you Felicia. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much.